Incredible. We are in week number 22 of our study in the book of Mark called Dirt Roads. Okay, week 22. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 7 today. Mark chapter 7. The title of today's sermon is simply this, Persistent Faith. Persistent Faith. And I really appreciate and enjoy our take and our approach to preaching because we preach through books of the Bible. Um, and because we do that, we are able to connect dots in our study from previous chapters and previous sermons. Today will be one of those days where as we go through the sermon, we'll make reference to something that we spoke about several weeks ago earlier on in the book of Mark. And I, I personally uh, appreciate that. I like to be able to look back and say, hey, you remember when we learned this? Well, now here's where it's coming out again. This is where we're revisiting what we've already learned. And so that's our take. Um, if you're here locally looking for a church and you are looking for a church that talks about all the different things going on in culture and politics and all the craziness going on in this world, you are at the wrong church. All right. If you're at the church who's going to take sides on every little thing, you're at the wrong church. If you're at a church that just wants to open up God's word and wants to preach the word and wants to worship Jesus and fellowship with one another and impact the community, then you might have stumbled in to the right church. So just so we want to be very clear up front, we preach the word of God. We try to do that in context and we try to apply it to our lives today. And that's my goal as a pastor. That's our philosophy here as a church. And so Mark chapter 7 this morning, I do want to thank uh, Jeff two weeks ago uh, for preaching for me while we were gone. I really appreciate that. It was his week coming back from camp. Thank you so much for, for taking that text and passage. Tim last week uh, for preaching for me as well. So I've been out for two weeks, so that means I'm giving you three weeks worth in one. I'm just kidding. Melissa, you're in here today, so I'm not going to be preaching long. I only preach long when Melissa's serving in the kids. That's what she tells me. I only preach long when she's serving in the preschool, but no. I do want to just reiterate Tim's sermon last week. We joked. It was 23 verses of a text, and it was very important. If you have not listened or you were not able to be here last Sunday, I would suggest you go back on YouTube or our podcast and find Tim's sermon from last Sunday because it is very important. Jesus takes a 23-verse pause and he says, I want to instruct you on the difference between the traditions of men and the doctrines of God. And may I just say, because I didn't get to preach last Sunday, we must, as believers and New Testament followers of Jesus, we must always differentiate between the traditions of men and the doctrines of God. And when we begin to major on the traditions of men as much as or more than the doctrines of God, uh, then we'll create an environment here in this church that's toxic. We'll create an environment in this church where the opinions of man matter more than the approval of God. And we never want to do that. We never want to be uh, guilty of that. And may I say, some traditions are wonderful. I, I have traditions. I do things the same every year in a lot of areas of my life. There's nothing wrong with tradition. However, I would never bump those things up to commandments and doctrines of God. And so we must be very careful. And I thank you, Tim, so much for just handling that. That was a little bit more of a difficult passage, I guess uh, you would say. We are picking up in verse 24. Tim left off into verse 23. And now we're kind of back into like what Mark has been. 
So we're back in Mark chapter 7, verse 24. If you have your Bibles, follow along. If you have an app, follow along there. If not, they'll be on the screen for you. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and wanted no one to know it, but he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept, she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Verse 28, and she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table Eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her for this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, so he was there. He then moves again, came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Apatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened, and the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, But the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying he has done all things well. Amen. He has. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. I'm focusing my attention today uh, on two phrases in this text. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to put his hand on him. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. Give us persistent faith. Faith that gets the attention of the master. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Persistent faith this morning. Persistent faith. Um, If you're a parent, I don't think I need to explain to you what the word persistent means, right? If you're a parent, let's let's, let's, uh, go even deeper. If you're a parent and you've ever taken like a road trip for several hours... You understand what the word persistent means. I got you a potty. Okay, well, can you just hold it for a few more minutes? And you know what that means when, as, as a parent, you say that. It means can you hold it for like another hour? That's what it really means. Can you hold it for just a few more minutes? Dad, I got to use the bathroom. Can you hold it for just a little bit? Dad, I've got to use the bathroom. And finally, what do we do? I mean, we're not going to, we have a choice to make, right, as parents. You can make the easy choice of just getting off the interstate, letting your kid do their business. Or you could not get off the interstate, and you could let your kid do their business in the car. 
And you have a whole bigger problem to deal with. And so their persistency pays off, right? I mean, parents, we're all here. Their persistency pays off. Um, my, my daughters are very good at knowing that if they ask over and over and over again for something over time, that I sense that they really mean it and they really want it. And so as a father who loves his two girls, eventually I end up getting them what they're asking for. It may take a little bit of time. I may make sure they're persistent enough. But in the end, they're going to get, and don't look at me like that, some of y'all that are, <laughs> stop it. So, especially some of y'all that are grandparents. Don't be looking at me that way. I know what y'all do. You raise your kids with all these great parenting standards and then you throw them all out the window as grandparents and you completely do the wrong thing. Anyway, I may or may not have a couple sets of grandparents for my kids that I'm, I watch, especially my parents. You guys would never let me do that. But anyway, persistency. Persistency will get you oftentimes what you're, what you're requesting. And today, we're seeing two different people with two different stories from two different regions of the country but both of them had something in common, and that was persistency. I want us to see, first of all, there's just three truths from today's text that I want us to see. First of all, in your text, the inescapable fame of Jesus. The inescapable fame of Jesus. Look at our very first verse, verse 24. I want to highlight this this morning, just kind of by way of introduction. From there, he arose, and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and wanted no one to know it. Okay, so Jesus was trying to get away. In fact, if we follow the theme of the last two, to, two and a half chapters, Jesus had been trying to get away. He had been trying to get rest for his disciples. He had been trying to get them over into the mountain. He had been trying to get them onto the boat. And every time he tried that, something happened. 5,000 men showed up, needed to be fed and preached to. Uh, a storm came and, and they couldn't get any rest because of the storm. all these things happened. And so Jesus had been seeking rest for he and his disciples. And so he wanted no one to know, but he could not be hidden. He could not be hidden. It didn't matter where he went. The famous healer, the famous miracle worker of the day could no longer be hidden. Can you imagine the life of a celebrity this morning who, who cannot go out and grab a bite to eat without being noticed and pictures taken and they can't go get groceries without people stopping them? Uh, this was Jesus, an inescapable fame. And while we will see in this text and we read it, he's still telling people, hey, keep it quiet. Remember, Jesus did that from the very beginning. Most people, he would say, hey, don't tell anybody. Some people, he would command to tell them, tell others. But most people, he would say, hey, don't tell anybody. And we believe that he did that because he wanted his message to be priority, not his miracles. Jesus was coming to preach the truth to the Jews. And he wanted them to hear the truth. And so his message was prominent. The miracles were secondary. And so that's why he continued to tell people not to speak about it. However, they just cannot help themselves. Someone as incredible as Jesus comes in and wrecks someone's life or heals their, their friend or heals their mom or, or heals their daughter or son, whatever it may be. Something as incredible as Jesus happens and people, even though he commands them not to, people just cannot help but say something about it. His fame, it created a buzz in Mark chapter 1. 
the beginning of our book that we're, that we're in, he said, immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. Great multitudes followed him from Galilee, from Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond Jordan. Hey, listen, Jesus, it was inescapable now. His fame was out there. Love him or hate him, accept him or reject him this morning. Think he's crazy or think he's the Christ this morning. Jesus was on the scene, and he still is. And, and what, what that practically applies to us today is simply this. We cannot escape the greatest reality that is in our present world, and that is this. Jesus Christ claims to be the Savior of the world. That is an inescapable claim. That is a famous claim. Our calendars, the year is 2021, our calendars revolve around that claim. That Jesus Christ came to this earth. It is the most famous happening that has ever happened and ever will happen. His, his fame is inescapable. And practically today, you just ask the question, what will we do with that? What we do with that claim, that fame that he has, every one of us must deal with Jesus. And whether we like it or whether we don't like it, Jesus is the greatest reality in our lives. Whether it is a reality in your life of accepting him as your Lord and your Savior, or whether the reality is in your life of rejecting and pushing away and the tension that exists there with Jesus in your life. Whether or not you like it, he is there. He is a reality and, and may I say this for one I'm so thankful for that I'm so glad I'm so thankful for the reality of Jesus I'm so thankful that where, wherever I go and, and, and it always comes around I, I say this often I try not to lead out with my name is Pastor Josh you know I try to be like hey I'm Josh and then I talk to people and get to know people and then you know somewhere beyond, you know in the conversation or maybe not in the first conversation but somewhere along the line they get to the question what do you do for a living Say, oh, I'm a pastor. And like everybody that was cool, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay, yeah. And like they don't speak to me. I'm just saying they don't. They still speak to me. But, uh, but they, they're, they're like trying to think back like, Did, have I said anything? Like, ugh. Like, you know, and everybody, everybody like gets on pins and needles and eggshells. But at the end of the day, the reality of Jesus, I guess that's what they're waiting on, right, for me to talk to them about Jesus. The reality of Jesus is the reality this morning. And his fame, even back in this day, this day without all of our digital communication uh, uh, upgrades, without social media, without any sort of internet, without any sort of, of television, without any sort of radio. Did you know there was life before radio? Uh, before, before there were cars, before there were planes, before there were anything other than boats and, and camels, all right? Jesus was famous, and his fame was inescapable. But I want us to see... Importantly, number two, the faith for Gentile miracles. And I really want you to pay attention and listen this morning to this, to this point. The faith for Gentile miracles. I'm, I'm going to come back and read the text here in a second. And I'm going to reiterate this in this point. But I want to be very clear at the very beginning. A reality that we also must understand about Jesus is that Jesus was sent to the Jews. We don't want to hear that. And we don't like to talk about that. 
But Jesus was sent to the Jews. In fact, he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. Hail, hail, king of the Jews. I'm not here this morning to talk about all of the ins and outs of this. All I'm saying is that primarily, the three and a half year ministry of Jesus primarily was to the Jews. Um, now, we obviously know because of the, the fame and spread of the gospel that his plan was to the regions beyond, uh, to America even all the way, down here in 2021. But I want to say that because I think the context here is important. And I've also made it a point to stay in Mark's gospel and not pull from other gospel accounts. I've tried to stay inside of the book of Mark for you. I want the book of Mark to stand on its own. But I have also told you that Mark seems to be the most concise. Because remember, Peter is dictating this to Mark. So Peter's talking Mark's writing. And so... Sometimes Mark gives you like the flyby or the 30,000 foot view of the story. And if you look in, in, the, in the other gospels, you can get a little bit more of the details. Um, but this text, I believe, demands Matthew's input from his gospel. This lady that we're about to read about, when it was all said and done, she made this impact on Jesus to where he would say this in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 28. Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Thousands of unnamed people appear in Scripture. And only a couple of them are commended for their faith. And here we find the faith of this unnamed Gentile woman on full display. Let's read the text. Verse 25 in Mark chapter 7 says this for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. And she came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth. And she kept asking him to cast out the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. This woman's faith, it held up and was persistent through Jesus' apparent silence at the beginning and then his oft-misunderstood rebuttal about children and dogs. And her faith has given the church an example of persistency and authenticity. This lady had a faith that caught the attention and delighted Jesus. But there is a lot of context to the story. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus came for the Jews, he was the king of the Jews, he came to fulfill the prophecy of the Jewish Messiah, and while we know the greater plan of the Great Commission, his main focus in his earthly ministry was the Jewish people. And so Jesus had purposefully journeyed 
into Tyre and Sidon, Gentile land. Okay, he, had, he had purposefully journeyed there. And, and that journey in and of itself uh, would have already begun to make the Jews and the, and the Pharisees and the leaders and the synagogues uncomfortable. And here he meets this Gentile woman. By the way, the Jews would have called her unclean. This Gentile woman. And to save you several minutes of, of, of explaining all the background and researching all the background on her, let's say it this way. She was a Greek-speaking pagan Gentile from Tyre. She was everything the Jews were not. And she was everything the Jews would look down upon. The religious Pharisees would scoff and question Jesus even having a conversation with such a woman. But as you might imagine, Jesus, as he did so often, has a unique encounter with this lady as a result of her faith. Her daughter was possessed by a demon, and she was desperate for healing. And may I just say this, her faith was persistent. Her faith was persistent. Here is a Jewish man claiming to be God, performing miracles. Here's a Gentile woman, not supposed to approach a Jewish man, Further studies would show that possibly she was not married, which would have been another scar on her reputation. Approaching Jesus, and not just one time, but persistently. Her faith was persistent. She fell at his feet and she kept asking. Other versions say begged him to cast out the demons. She kept asking. She kept asking. Her faith was persistent. This would suggest that Jesus did not immediately turn his attention to her the first time she said, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter needs healing. Jesus did not immediately turn his attention to her. And this meant that her cry for help was immediately and initially met by silence from the Savior. Yet her faith was still persistent. Jesus' initial silence did not silence her. She continued. She persisted. She asked and kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. And may I say this morning, do not let God's silence silence your prayers. Do not let God's silence silence your prayers. If there's been a theme over the last few weeks, it could be the theme that your timing is not always God's timing. And when you think it's supposed to happen may not be when it's supposed to happen. And while God, I believe, answers our prayers, I believe he answers in yes, no, and wait. I do so often believe that he doesn't answer them as quickly as we think. And so if we're not careful, we let God's silence Silence our cries. We let God's silence silence our communication. We let God's silence silence our prayers. And may I say this morning, God's silence does not mean God's removed his presence. God's silence does not mean that God's removed his ear. God's silence does not mean that God has removed his heart and his love and his care. 
Listen, God doesn't operate like us. God is not us. God, newsflash to some of you. God is not merely a perfect rendition of you. That's oftentimes who we think God is. If I did everything right, that's who God is. No, God is not a perfect rendition of Josh. God is above all. God is supernatural. We are natural. God is unfathomable in his ways. And so when God is silent, may we persist. While God is silent, may we keep asking this morning. She persisted through the silence of Jesus. But we also see her persist through what seems to be initially, when we read it, a firm rebuttal from Jesus. A firm rebuttal. Look at Mark chapter 7 and verse 27. It's right there in your text. Verse 27, but Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I'm, I'm going to follow my notes very carefully here because this is, a, this is an important text. This is an oft misunderstood and misapplied text. And so I want to make sure that we are handling this text properly. Can you appreciate, please, for a second. I usually don't just read, but I'm going to do that. Taking this text at face value and only comprehending this text in our translations, this could be very problematic. You see, culturally, the Jews referred to the Gentiles as dogs. And so Jesus seems to be saying, the Jews are the children and they get me first and you're a dog and it is not good for you to receive blessings from me. That's problematic. And on initial reading, if you don't truly try to discover the context and look into what it's actually saying, that's a tough one. Culturally, Gentiles were dogs and not just dogs, scavenger street dogs, like dirty, like scavenger sort of dogs and Jesus actually, if you study the original language and the, the word that communicates this word dog, uh, this word dog is a much kinder word than what the Jews would use for Gentiles, even though it's still a, an animal. It was more like a, a household little pet type dog. Uh, it's still the fact that he referred to them as dogs. And so At first glance, this is a very difficult text. Jesus was evidently acknowledging his commitment to the Jews. But then in changing that word dog, he was, many people think, letting her know that there was a place for her, a Gentile, in his house. And that's one way of looking at it, and I think that's a faithful way of looking at it, that Jesus was saying, listen... I am here for my children. I am here for the Jews. I am called to the Jews for this three and a half years. But I'm letting you know you're not an outcast. There's a place for you in my house. It's just not my time. It's not time yet for me to transition my focus away from the Jews 
and to the Gentiles. By the way, in case I missed this, her faith persisted through that. In case, I'm in, in case I fail at the end of this point to follow up on that, her faith persisted through possibly being referred to as an animal. Her faith persisted. But I don't believe that's the most faithful and truest interpretation. I believe it's actually more general. I mentioned Jesus is tired. He is worn out. His disciples are worn out. We've seen it for two and a half chapters. Okay, we have seen this. We have noted that they need a deep rest. And they have not found it. They've not found true rest. There's not a text that says that they got their extended rest that they needed. And so this woman initially, according to the other gospels, and we won't open them up, uh, asked Jesus to come to her house to heal her daughter. So in that moment, Jesus had to make a decision. Am I going to not just come here to the outskirts of the city? Am I going to travel into the city with all of my disciples, with everybody that's going to be following us and make this big ordeal? Or am I actually going to let my disciples rest? And this woman, in this moment, engages Jesus persistently. And Jesus' answer is, I cannot leave my children, my disciples, to come and minister to the Gentiles at this point. He uses a kinder word for Gentiles than what was used, but he lets her know that I am coming and I have to take care of, in this moment, I have to take care of my people. I'm taking care of my disciples. But her persistent faith fights through even that rebuttal. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus says, listen, I can heal. I don't have to come to your house. Tell you what, I feel as Jesus said, if you'll stop asking, you keep asking, and you keep asking, and you keep asking, and you keep asking, I am not going to go all the way to your house. I have got to get my disciples taken care of. I'm not going to travel all the way in. I tell you what, you go back to your house, and your daughter's healed. It was basically Jesus saying, even in his, in his deity, Jesus in his humanity saying, listen, I'm, I am in one body here, and I have got to serve one of two people here. I either have to serve my group of disciples that I've been neglecting for the last two and a half chapters, or I'm going to go serve in this miracle. And he said, I'm going to serve my disciples, and I'll, I'll take care of that miracle, but I've got to stay and serve my disciples. I've got to get my disciples through uh, to, what, to what we tried to do for the last two and a half chapters her faith persisted through the cultural norms her faith persisted even through jesus's prioritizing of the jews even through jesus's prioritizing of his disciples her faith persisted jesus opened the door to healing her daughter and he offered her those crumbs off the table and she boldly said Yes, Lord, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Jesus, I understand that you got to take care of your children right now, but if you'll let a crumb fall of faith, I'll pick it up. My daughter will be healed. My daughter will be healed. That's a difficult text this morning. I'll be honest with you. Some people use that text to twist it, to, to actually bring upon that Jesus sinned in this moment. And what he said. Obviously, we know the character of God, and we know uh, that, that God 
in, in the form of Jesus and God the Father uh, cannot sin. And so we have to take a more faithful approach and look at this. But that's a difficult text today. But we must understand this, and the, and the point of the text was that she had a persistent faith. She had a faith even for Gentile miracles. But it doesn't end there. The chapter continues. A little bit of an unrelated text here. Mark chapter 7 and verse 31. The faith, thirdly, that produces fruit. The faith that produces fruit. I'm not going to read the text this morning. But they end up leaving that Tyre and Sidon and they move down into Decapolis. Anybody remember? I'm not going to ask you, don't worry, to actually say it. Anybody don't remember Decapolis? Mark chapter 5, the maniac of Gadara. You remember just a few weeks ago? Jesus heals the maniac. His, the spirits are removed from him. They go into the pigs, you remember? Bacon. Uh, and Jesus says to the maniac, what does he tell him this time? He had told a lot of people not to say anything. What does he say to the maniac in Mark chapter 5? Go back to your hometown, to Decapolis, and tell everybody. And tell everybody. Jesus had just gotten from the Sea of Galilee, encountered the maniac, healed him, and told him to go back to Decapolis and tell everybody. Here we are, two chapters later. Jesus comes through the region of Decapolis. He walks through the ten cities, that region, and he gets to the Sea of Galilee. Now, I don't know. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm connecting dots, okay, in Scripture. I'm telling you this. There's not a firm black and white line in Scripture that tells you this. I'm connecting dots in Scripture because that's what we're doing in our text. Jesus walks through the maniac's hometowns. He walks, if he lived in this area, he walked through Bahama, Rougemont, Durham, Hillsborough, Raleigh. Jesus walks through those towns and he's trying to get, I guess if he's going that way, he's trying to get to Jordan Lake. That's where he's heading. And he finally arrives at Jordan Lake. And there are some people there that have a friend. This friend can't hear. This friend can't speak. And they begged him. They begged him to put his hand on him. And he did. He put his fingers in his ears. He spat and touched his tongue. And he said to his ears and to his tongue, be opened. Immediately his ears opened. The impediment of his tongue was loosed. And he spoke plainly. I'm not going to address the miracle as such. I believe the miracle stands on its own for what it is. Jesus astonishes the crowd. They were astonished beyond measure. He has done all things well. But I do want to point this out. I firmly believe the faith of these friends and this man who could not hear nor could he speak. I believe these men were told about the healing power of Jesus 
through the story of the maniac. I don't think there's any other reason why Mark, Peter and Mark would connect these dots. Other than the fact, you remember when Jesus said, hey maniac, go tell everybody. Two chapters later, it just so happens as Jesus is walking right back through that area. I'm talking about to the same coast where the miracle took place. That there come some friends that say, hey listen, would you, would you please, would you please heal our friend? Would you please open his ears? Would you please open his mouth? Because Mark 5.20 tells us that the maniac departed. And he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. Look at what it says. And all marveled. There's no reason in my mind to doubt that these people weren't part of the all who marveled. I'll conclude this morning with this. Number one, Jesus cannot be hidden. Jesus cannot be hidden. I think some of us try to hide him at work. We try to hide him at home. We try to compartmentalize Jesus. Jesus is great on Sunday morning. Yay for Jesus. Now it's time to go. I'm out. And now I'm going to live six and a half more days. Without Jesus, I'll come back. No, Jesus cannot be hidden. If you have had a real experience with Jesus, he cannot be hidden in your life. He cannot be hidden in your decisions. He cannot be hidden in your family. He cannot be hidden in this church. He cannot be hidden in this community. Jesus cannot be hidden. You say, Josh, what's the best way to make Jesus known? Just, just let him be him. Just don't hide him. He can't be hidden. Just let him out. Just talk about him. Just let him do his thing in your life and tell people about what he's doing in your life. Jesus cannot be hidden. Secondly, takeaways this morning, the gospel shatters cultural and ethnic norms. We will find that the gospel is to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost. Uncomfortable right now. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable right now for Jesus to be given to the Jews primarily. Uncomfortable. But remember, he gives the Samaritan woman water and she'll never thirst again. Actually, this second miracle here in Tyre and Sidon, most theologians believe was another Gentile. And by the way, I'm a Gentile. So I'm really grateful. I, I'm not aware of anyone in here that's full-blooded Jewish this morning. I'm a Gentile and I'm grateful. And the Great Commission would lead us into Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And the apostles and then the early church and the church throughout history and now the modern church. This is not a, it's not a savior to the Jews. It is a savior of the world. And I thank God for that. But the gospel shatters through all those cultural norms, ethnic norms, Jew, Gentile, Greek, Hebrew. The gospel shatters that. And then lastly, you say, Josh, this is a little bit of a stretch. I'll give you that. That's fine. Lastly, the God can use your story to impact others. 
I told you there's not a black and white line drawn from Mark chapter 5 verse 20 into this text today. But I will say it's odd how much they align. It's odd how not only was Jesus in Decapolis both times, it's unique that Jesus was in Decapolis at the border, at the coast of the Sea of Galilee both times. It's interesting the proximity that Jesus was when he healed the maniac and told him to tell others. And when he came back to that area and he had someone go, hey, I heard about you. Hey, that, that maniac, that crazy, yeah, that was my friend in high school. How many of us have some crazy friends from high school, right? Uh, that's my cousin. How many got crazy cousins? That's my uncle. We all got crazy uncles. My uncles are watching today. You're not, it's not you, it's the other uncles. But we, I firmly believe that God used the story of the maniac to inspire another miracle, to inspire another healing. And may I say, I, I know if we're not careful, sometimes the newness wears off. When our, first, when our church first started in October of 2017, everything was fresh and everything was new, and it was like, man, we were talking about it, and man, you won't believe it, we're in this gym, it's wild. We, y'all don't know this, we've been out of the gym long enough now, we used to add, we used to count the cockroaches as a, uh, attendees. Like how many, when we got in the morning, however many we had to sweep up, we're like, there's seven more. So whatever we had today, add seven to it. We didn't really do that, but we did sweep them up and get them out of there. Man, it's dusty old gym. But you know what? For some reason, it was like, hey, you should come to church with me. Hey, let me invite you to church. If we're not careful... As a church, we'll lose a little bit of that. I want to encourage you to talk to somebody, to tell somebody, but not just about our church. That's, what about Jesus? God is giving us, has given us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to interact with people who need Jesus. And I'm not saying that we interrupt our boss, you know, at your next meeting, like, excuse me, I have something I need to say. I'm not saying that. <laughs> I am saying that the next time you're with your friends or with your neighbors or hanging out around people that would be unbelievers, that you at least keep your ears open and your eyes open. People, are ask, people will ask for your help spiritually without saying, hey, will you please help me spiritually, Melissa? They'll say things like, hey, Melissa, I'm struggling. Man. You know what that is? That's a cry for help. Hey, listen, would you, here, here's what they do. Hey, would you keep me in your thoughts? My favorite one. Would you send me some positive vibes? Yes, right now. No. You know what that is? That's saying, hey, listen, I've got a, I have a need. And maybe what they need is a Christian friend. They might not even realize it. And what they need is a believer to come along and say, listen, can I pray for you? And interacting with a man today, I would say as an unbeliever, just this morning, his dad's about to be put in hospice. And in that moment, because it wasn't a long moment, in that moment, it's simply, hey, man, I'm going to be praying for your family. 
I'm going to be praying for your family. I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I'm a pastor. I'm going to be praying for your family. That's it. That's just a seed. I'll come back to that conversation later. But listen, Jesus' fame spread throughout just because people talked about him. And my, my ask for you today is yes, that you have persistent faith. Because that your persistent faith leads you into persistent sharing of that faith. And who Jesus is. And all that he means. And all that he's done. Beginning to end, great is your faithfulness. He's been good. Let's just tell other people about him. Hey, I want to encourage you, invite, invite someone to church. Invite that relative, that friend. Maybe you're like, I didn't want to invite him until we did the renovations. Well, the auditorium is renovated. Right? Let's be real. I heard y'all, yeah, some of y'all. All right, we're, we're working on the rest of it too. It's getting there. Invite someone. Hey, listen, tell, tell someone. The best, the absolute best church marketing is people inviting people to church. We can pay for Facebook ads. We can do whatever. We can put signs out. We can have the big floppy hand tall skinny people out here uh, blow up things out, out of the, the street corner all we want to. Nothing beats. Hey, I was the maniac. Let me tell you something, right over here, Jesus completely changed my life. Come on. I heard he's coming back. I heard he's coming back through. Nothing beats that. On your way out, we have on that table right outside on the left-hand side, we have some invite cards. They simply say, you matter to God, you matter to us, because you do. And on the back, it's got our service times. There's no craziness on there. It's just that. A simple invite. A simple invite, a simple leaving that with, a, with a, a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant. Uh, just leaving that with them. Simply leaving that with, at the gas station. Leaving it right there on the gas tank. Whatever it may be. Simple invites, simple conversations. Persistent. Thank you for dealing with a difficult text with me today. It's not an easy text. And I'm not going to tell you that I have every single answer to that text. You may ask me a question about that text later and I may say, let me get back to you. That's okay. I will get back to you in a couple months. I'm just getting. I'll get back to you. Difficult text, but listen, we preach the word. We preach the Bible. The easy ones and the tough ones. It's all good because it's all Bible. And uh, thank you so much this morning for listening. Let's be persistent in our faith and in telling others. Heavenly Father, thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around.